their knowledge of good and evil. What's amazing to me is that people decide that there are things in the Bible that aren't true based on their knowledge, as if they are the smartest people in the universe. Have you ever felt like that your life was too complicated or too busy and you would love to just simplify your life? Well, there's a verse that we're going to be talking about and springboarding off of in 2 Corinthians, and it is the Apostle Paul who wrote about a third of the New Testament, 13 out of 27 books. Uh, this verse talks about simplicity, but it tells us, this, this is amazing what I'm about to tell you. It tells us the greatest apostle who ever lived, it tells us his greatest fear. It tells us uh, of what he is afraid of the most. So, and we're going to look at that, and it has to do with simplicity, all right? So, um, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians eleven three. This is Paul speaking, but I am afraid. I just think about those three words. Paul, I am afraid. I am afraid. I'm being honest with you. I'm afraid. That as the serpent deceived Eve, now, I just want you to notice the word as, as the serpent. So in the very same way, the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Now, this word in the Greek means sophisticated trickery. In other words, Satan, Satan is not an idiot. I'll give him that. He's not an idiot. He's brilliant. Sophisticated by his sophisticated trickiness, trickery. Your minds will be led away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. The, the, first, the title of this message is The Enemy of Devotion. We're going to talk about the enemy of simplicity. We're going to talk about some other things, but the enemy of devotion. Now, I, I want to share something with you that might actually shock you. <laughs> but this verse has been taken as like a put-down to women but it's actually not a put down to women, it's a put down to men. And let me explain why. Um, the Bible says that Eve was deceived. But it never tells us that Adam was deceived. As a matter of fact, it tells us he was not deceived. But let me show you, watch. 1 Timothy 2.14, and Adam was not deceived. I told you I wasn't lying. <laughs> Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into true transgression. But Adam also sinned. As a matter of fact, sin did not enter the world through Eve. That's Romans 5. This is Theology 101. Sin entered the world through Adam. But Adam wasn't deceived, but he's right there with Eve. We're going to read it in a moment. He's right there with Eve 
while the, while the serpent, Satan, is talking to his wife and he never steps in. And she's deceived, but Adam's not deceived. But let me tell you what Adam was. He was rebellious. And I've been in ministry for 40-something years now. Now, I'm going to say something. Just this, this is not across the board. This is just my own experience. I've seen many times that women uh, have had a problem with deception and men have a problem with rebellion. And it comes from Adam and Eve. You, you, I, there, you can't believe how many times that I've been talking to men and they basically say to me like about an illicit affair or about divorcing their wife or something, I know it's wrong, pastor, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm, I'm just shocked, straight out rebellion. And you can't believe how many times I've been talking with ladies in counseling sessions where they've told me something and they're in bondage simply because they believe the lie. And all I've got to do is share the truth with them. And what's wonderful is once you share truth with a woman, she, she just repeat, repents. You share it with a man and he still does the stupid thing he was going to do. <laughs> and, and by the way, let me say something about deception, okay? Because all of you do not think you're deceived. And all of us are probably deceived in at least one area of our life. Not totally deceived, but I'll bet there are some areas where you have believed a lie. And let me give you a truth about deception. Okay, now I'm kind of known for taking complicated theological issues and making them simple. I'm also kind of known for these statements that are so simple that they're smart. Okay, you ready for this one? A deceived person doesn't know he's deceived. Because if he knew he was deceived, he wouldn't be deceived. It's amazing, I've, had, I've literally had people say to me, well, I can tell you one thing, Pastor, I'm not deceived. <laughs> yeah, you are, because <laughs> you just made that statement to me. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who's a pastor who was counseling, and he was counseling this lady, and she said, my children tell me that I have blind spots, but I just don't see them. He said, um, th that's why we call them blind spots. And she went like this, oh. <laughs> so here's, here's, what, here's what Paul is saying. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here is what I am afraid of. I am afraid that in the same way, 
as, in the same way, the serpent deceived Eve. Your minds would be drawn away from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. Can I just tell you that all of the complications in your life could be resolved by devotion to Christ? So, Genesis 3, let's first read how it happened. Verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning or subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, let's just stop for a moment. God never said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. They would have starved. It's just stupid. That's where he starts. And the woman gave the right answer, said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now let me just let you know a little theology here. God didn't say that you couldn't touch it or you would die. He said don't eat from it. But Eve was not there when God instructed Adam. So she got her information from Adam. So either Adam got it wrong or she misunderstood. We really don't know. But he didn't say that part. But you, you, all you got to do is go back and read Genesis 2. If you don't believe me, you'll read, God said to Adam, do not eat from this tree or you'll die. And then God said, uh, he needs a help meet. And then he created Eve. So she wasn't there when God gave the instruction. Okay. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, directly contradicting the word of God. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. By the way, that was true. And you will be like God. That was true in this form. They were already like God, but in this form, knowing good and evil. And the Bible tells us that. Okay, we'll see that in a minute. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. So he's standing right there while the devil's talking to his wife, and he never intervenes. And he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. Watch these two responses. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The first two responses to sin were fear and shame. That right there will help you tremendously. Every time you fall, you will experience fear and you will experience shame. Fear and shame. Now, here's what I want you to know. There were two trees in the midst of garden, the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of good and evil, prepositional phrase, so you could take that away. That just adds to the sentence. But there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but the tree of knowledge. Now, this may shock you what I'm about to tell you. 
God never intended for you to know evil. Never. But here's my really shocking. God never intended for you to know good. See, you don't think about this. You think, well, it's just the knowledge of the tree of evil. No, it was the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. He never intended for you to know good. He intended for you to know God. Let me say that again because all of you missed it. (laughs) He never intended for you to know good. He intended for you to know God. He never wanted you to choose between good and evil. He wanted you just to know his voice and do what he said. That was all he wanted. He wanted you just to walk with him. The choice, by the way, is not good and evil. The choice is life and death. Because he said if you eat from that tree, you die. So the choice is not good or bad. Is this school good or bad for my children? No, that's not the question. The question is, is this school life or death? The choice is, is this this, uh, job good for me or bad for me? No, is this choice God or is it the devil? Is this job life or is it death? It'll change everything about every decision you make when you stop deciding what's good and what's evil and you start deciding what's life and what's death, and what's God, and what's the devil. Everyone with me on this? And here's what, he, here's, here's what Paul says. This is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that in the same way the, certain, the, the serpent deceived Eve, he'll deceive you. So, how did he deceive her? Well, I have only two points rather than three, but here's how. Number one, Satan tries to get us to question God's word. The very first thing he said was, has God indeed said? Indeed? Let me say it another way. One one version says it this way. Did God really say? Did God really say? Here's another way that he could have said, is this really in the Bible? He says that today. Do you think the Bible really means that? He gets us to try to question God's word. So I'm gonna read you two scriptures that seem contradictory and then explain them to you, all right? So watch them closely. First Chronicles 21.1. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So let me ask you a question. Who moved David to number Israel? Okay, everyone, everyone agree? In the Bible, right? Would you like to see the same passage in 2 Samuel? (laughs) And there is no theologian I've ever read, ever heard, ever studied, ever, that doesn't know these are the same, these are parallel passages. There's not one. I I, I can't even imagine that there was. These are parallel passages. 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles, parallel passages. All right, but watch this, 2 Samuel 24, verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he, capital H, moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. 
<laughs> this is fun. So wait a minute. Who moved David to number Israel? So according to 2 Samuel, who moved David to number Israel? Uh, where are y'all? Satan is not in 2 Samuel 24. That word was not in that verse. He is referring to the Lord. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David to number Israel. I'm just talking about grammar now. I'll talk about theology in a minute. I'm just talking about grammar. The Lord moved David to number Israel is what 2 Samuel 24 says. But 1 Chronicles 21 says David, uh, Satan moved David. So which one was it? So this is like one of those passages that ignorant people say, well, this shows that the Bible's not true. You know what bothers me? It's again, they're going from the knowledge, their knowledge of good and evil. What's amazing to me is that people decide that there are things in the Bible that aren't true based on their knowledge as if they are the smartest people in the universe. Okay, so here's the point. If you ever read anything in the Bible that you don't understand, it's because you don't understand. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with the Bible, but there is something wrong with your fallen mind. But there's nothing wrong with this book. So, here's what God did to me years ago. I saw those two verses, and the Lord said to me, did I tell David not to number Israel? Yes, you did. Did I then move Satan to move David to number Israel? Yes. Then, did I kill 70,000 men because David numbered Israel? I said, yes. And the Lord said to me, do you understand that? And I said, no. And then he said this, but do you still trust me? Do you still believe that I'm good and that I'm righteous and that I'm holy and that I don't kill innocent people? Do you still believe that? Even though you don't understand, do you still believe me? I said, yes. 2 Samuel 24, 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And he moved David and said, go number him. Okay. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. First thing I want you to notice, it was not aroused against David. It was aroused against Israel. Second thing is, what is the one thing in the Bible that arouses the anger of the Lord? Sin. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. That means they were in sin. God moves Satan to move David to number them. David still had a choice, but he did it anyway. And then God killed 70,000 people. Here's my personal belief. The 70,000 men that he killed were the 70,000 men who were in sin because God's a righteous judge. And in the process of bringing justice to an unjust situation, he also taught a leader a very valuable lesson. So I'm just telling you, 
Here's what the greatest apostle that ever said, I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that in the same way, in the same way that the serpent deceived Eve, that he'll deceive you and draw your minds away from the simplicity of those Christ. So the first way is he gets you to question God's word. The second way is Satan tries to get us to question God's character. In other words, we read like 70,000 men died and we think, well, God killed innocent people. Well, that's not congruent with the rest of Scripture. So even though I don't understand it, I can't question God's character. I know God is love. I know God is just. I know God is merciful. I know God is gracious. I know God is kind. I know God's character. So I'm not going to question it. But he tried to question God's character. Here's what he basically did to Eve. God is holding something back from you. See, he was questioning God's character. He first questioned God's word, then he questioned God's character. God knows that, that this will be better for you. And so he's holding something back from you. This is what, this is what Satan does. God's doing something that, that is not kind. And we should say, no, wait, God is kind. This is one of the fruits of the Spirit. God, God, God is just. This is, God is not being unjust to me. God is faithful. God is not being unfaithful to me. See, he will do everything he can to get you to question not only God's word, but God's character. It's all through Scripture. Think about this. God creates Adam and Eve. No sin in the world. No sin when he created them. Two perfect people. Put them in a perfect society. They had a perfect marriage and they had a perfect father. And if Satan can take two perfect people in a perfect marriage and get with a perfect father and get them to sin, you, you better watch out. That's how good Satan is. He got two perfect people to question the character and nature of God, and God had never done anything wrong to them. That's how good he is. So let me just show you another passage that looks like God's being mean, and it's actually God's being gracious. Genesis 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. See, remember, Satan has some truth in his deception. To know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, lest he do this, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he, that's God, drove out the man or mankind, that's the word here, mankind, Adam and Eve, and he placed cherubim or angels at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Okay, that sounds like judgment. That wasn't judgment, that was grace. God drives them out and says, we gotta get them away from the tree of life unless they eat from the tree of life and live forever. Can I tell you why that was grace? Because they were in a fallen state. And if they had eaten from the tree of life in that fallen state, they would have lived forever in a fallen state. 
So the grace of God drives them away from the tree of life. And by the way, the tree of life, Revelation tells us, is in heaven and you can eat from it in your redeemed state anytime you want. Anytime you want, you can eat from the tree now. But what his grace was saying was, I can't let them eat from the tree of life now because they're in a fallen state and they'll live forever in a fallen state. So I'm just telling you, don't let Satan. Here, the greatest apostle that ever lived said, you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid that in the same way the serpent deceived Eve, your minds would be drawn away from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. You want to simplify your life? You got to get back to devotion. Questioning God's word and questioning God's character is the way Eve was deceived. Don't let Satan cause you to question his word or his character. Well, I wanna say to you that I really believe that the reason you heard this message today is because God wanted you to hear this message because we all have an enemy and that enemy is trying to steal our devotion to Jesus Christ, the simplicity of our devotion. And as we looked at today, Adam and Eve, and saw how he tried to get them to question God's word and God's character, I just wanna say one thing about God's character that maybe you need to hear, and that is he is good. He is good, God is good. And maybe that's the whole reason you needed this message today. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Join us again because I'm gonna continue this series. Many people describe their lives as hectic, busy, and overcomplicated, and it's easy to get overwhelmed and discouraged. In his series, Simplify, Pastor Robert shares how we can experience simplicity in our lives by making an intentional choice to love God and others. He encourages us to fully trust in God's love for us and live our lives simply devoted to God to experience the fullness of life and peace He has for us. And when you choose to love Him, then you're gonna to commit to Him. And when you commit to Him, then your life's gonna be simplified. It's that simple. For your gift of any amount, we'll send you this entire teaching series on CD or as an audio digital download as our way of saying thank you. For your gift of $60 or more, you can also request Gateway Worship's newest album, Crowns Down. This uplifting collection of worship songs will connect your heart with God's, joining with all of heaven to declare that He alone is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. We'll also send a brand new 21-day devotional about the Gospel of John titled, No Love Like This. Additionally, for your gift of $110 or more, you'll also receive a beautiful illustrating Bible edition of the Gospels, where you can meditate on God's Word as you journal through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Visit us at PastorRobert.com to get these special resources today. As always, thank you for your continuous prayers and generous financial support of Pastor Robert Morris Ministries.
Living your best life isn't about having a dream home, wonderful kids, or the ideal job. It's about changes in your family, health, and relationships. When God changes your heart, you'll discover that there is so much more to life. With humor, passion, and clarity, Pastor Robert presents The Secrets of Living Your Best Life.